0: All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for another Her Wild Outdoors episode. Today, Stephanie Ristad is joining me for a great conversation on the importance of archery and the passion behind it. So, Stephanie, thanks for joining me. Thank
1: you so much, Amy, for having me. You've been actually one of my like dream podcasts to be on, so I'm so happy to be here today.
0: (laughs) Well, I've been thinking about it for a while, and I've been following you. And just through my own journey of archery, but also through my kids' journey with archery, I have definitely kept an eye on you, and I have loved every single thing that you have put out because of how – important it is. And so it truly is an honor to have you on here. So thank thank you you. so much. That was so kind. (laughs) I do. I kind of want to jump right in, but I, 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 because I have questions and you and I both have very passionate things that about our conversation that I can't wait to hear about, but I do kind of want to get a background on who you are and how, archery became a passion and your life's work so give us kind of the backstory. all right so i guess i
1: started shooting when i was 12 and it's funny because my family had nothing to do with archery prior to my dad asking me to go rifle hunting with him and get my hunter safety done and i said dad i i don't really want to shoot guns but i'll shoot archery (laughs) never held a bow before in my life but here i'm telling my dad i'll go archery hunting with him. Um, (laughs) So him and I actually got started together and over the past 12 or so years, we've been shooting competitively hunting um, and doing all of this together. So it's been fun since I left for college and then started working, Mm -hmm. that it's been more on my own and not with him, seeing that direction. So in college, I actually stopped shooting altogether.
0: Mm -hmm. I went
1: and got my business degree which is how I got back into it. Once I graduated, I found a job on Facebook posted by Paige Pierce. Um, So so it was kind of funny how that came up Mm -hmm. uh, for the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife as their archery education coordinator. And what that meant was I just ran programs and archery education activities around the state of Oregon. Well, once COVID happened, I wanted to move back home and be with my family. So I was able to actually get a job working for the National Art the Schools program yes. as their Western Regional Coordinator. So, you know, my my young background of hunting and competing with my dad. I worked in a bow shop when I was younger. That
0: added with my college degree. It all, it, it all kind of worked out for me. It did. I love the fact that your dad was like, get your hunter education. Let's go shoot some animals. And you're like, I'll do it with a bow. And he... Okay. That was when, was that when he then switched over to archery? Was he gun only before that? He was gun only before that. I actually started with a Genesis
1: bow in our backyard. And then once he saw that I was going to stick with it and they bought me a bow, I think he was at the bow shop buying me a bow and he's like, maybe I need to get a bow too.
0: (laughs) So. <laughs> i agree i agree but that's something that y'all were able to do my daughter has started with a genesis bow and she is actually looking this year at switching over to a compound bow for hunting and uh and oh, just shooting so yeah I, we took them to attack um attack event here mm-hmm. in the southern part of tennessee and both of the kids fell in love with it and and she shot her Genesis bow there, and my son shot my old, which was my brother's old, youth browning bow. So let's take it all the oh, way wow. back to the 90s because yeah. <laughs> browning doesn't make bows anymore. Um, but they fell in love with shooting, and I think that they did because of the community that was there, the support that they felt. I couldn't shoot because of my shoulder at the time, but they had so many – adults and young adults around them, just encouraging them and giving them that pat on the back. Hey, you're doing great. Keep going. And it fed their soul. And I love that about that community. And that's an amazing, that's a reason why archery
1: is so amazing. And you wouldn't know this, but like back in the fourth grade, I didn't talk to anyone. I was one of the shyest kids in my class. Mm -hmm. And then in sixth grade, I started archery and you should see people see me now that knew me back then and they're like wow like you're not so shy anymore mm-hmm. and i'm like no i will go up to anyone and be like hey you want to go shoot with me yeah random people on the range i'm walking up to and introducing myself and it, it's amazing but you're right you you go to a shoot or the range or anything and archery people are just some of the nicest people they're so welcoming someone wanting to help
0: mm-hmm. it's an amazing community i think um so let's, we'll teeter right into NAS because we've kind of brought it up a little bit. It's, it has my heart. That whole program has my heart. It's National Archery in Schools program. And it is when I taught, when I coached, I coached for two years when my daughter was in fourth and fifth grade. And I think it was the sport in the school that, not only the people interested in archery got their hands on a bow, but every single child in fourth and fifth grade were able to put their hands on a bow through physical education. The, um, our school resource officer came through, he was the head coach, and he was able to go through physical education classes in fourth and fifth grade, and put each child had a bow in their hand at one point to try. Whether they are athletic, whether they are intellectuals, whether they are the outcasts, whether they're disabled, whatever it was, archery was one of those things that crossed the lines, crossed the boundaries and brought people together, brought students together that don't necessarily have a community. And that in itself spoke to my heart. And it kind of goes in with what you were talking about, about the community, about you know, I, you being totally changed now from where you were beforehand. I think that it gives kids confidence through this program.
1: Before you go on confidence, so I actually did a poll the other day of NASC coaches and I said, what is the most important thing to you that you're getting out of the program right now?
0: 90% of them said the, seeing the confidence growth in their students. Yes. It's huge. Students. It is absolutely. I think, yeah, I would agree with every single one of them. It is the biggest factor going from even the first 10 weeks of the program in the schools. It is the biggest change that I see across the board. With each child, even as different as they are, their confidence level jumping up and their desire to learn and their desire for passion into something that they love, whether they're great at it or not, it gives them that goal oriented process and it trickles honestly, it trickled into their education side of school. It trickled into them applying themselves a little bit more because you had to have good grades to stay in archery and you have to, you learn how to control yourself and how to be patient with yourself. And it's, I cannot scream from the rooftops loud enough how important that program is for our students right now. I love hearing that you've
1: picked up on all of these things because these are all things that we promote about the program, Mm -hmm. but hearing it come from the coach's side, it's kind of cool that... Uh, just just your feedback is the same as ours. It means we're doing our job right. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and it's fun when you go to a tournament and you see a fourth grader standing next to a 12th grader shooting with the same equipment at the
0: same target Mm -hmm. and they're they're out there talking to each other. Mm -hmm. They're making connections. They can be from different schools. I mean, I have seen a high schooler, like you said, next to a little kid, next to an elementary age student. And from a different school and they're going hey you're doing great hey change your footing just a little bit and it's that encouragement that they remember being back at that age they remember that process of of counting out the steps in their head of yes. safety and bow safety and and what where's your stance and where are your feet and then where does your, your support arm go and where do your shoulder blades lock in like all of these different steps and they're able able to go hey hey check your feet and it's it's not because it is competitive right but it's also it's it's also connecting it's also a community and they're cheering each other on because if you cheer somebody else on and your competition goes up it's going to push you forward Um, but it has that whole lifting each other up and pushing past the fear A failure. I mean, our little fourth graders got up there and it was like, let's just get them on the target. It doesn't matter if they're in a bullseye, it doesn't even matter if they're in a circle. Let's just hit the target (laughs) and they move from there. Exactly.
1: And that's the way that we train our instructors is start your co- start your kids five to seven yards away from the target mm-hmm. and start them with a blank target so that yes. they're not actually aiming at anything.
0: Exactly. We want
1: kids to be successful from the very beginning. Yeah. And that's why we do it in school. We have an in-school requirement for our program rather than just being an after school club. Yes. Because we do want to reach as many kids as possible and not the ones that you know, can have the money to stay after school or don't have to take the bus or all of those things that go into an after school program. If it's NPE, it touches everyone and it can change everyone's lives. Right. And so that's kind of one of the things we say is if we can give kids success on the range, well, just like you said, it's going to trickle into the classroom and they're going to find success in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And then guess what? They know they can be successful in life then and we're just helping them have a little bit little part of that.
0: Yeah. And it's not that we as hunters being a part of it. I actually had the question a couple of times from parents, "Hey, we know you're a hunter. Are you here trying to recruit?" And I said, "No." <laughs> but no, not at all. I'm here giving your kids the ability to succeed. I'm here yes. to encourage them to not get frustrated with themselves, but to push past that point of frustration and grow and become better, not because they're competing with the seventh grader, but because they're competing with themselves. And exactly yeah, it's that five yards, let's get you on the target, move it to 10 yards, move it to 15, add one circle, like, let's get into the big circle, because we would draw, you know, a flower or a heart or a triangle, and we would kind of move it slowly inward. And it just made a difference in their mindset when you're teaching a kid how to do that. Now, if a kid later on goes, hey, I can actually use this for hunting, that's awesome. <laughs> I won't deny them that, but it's not the goal. Well, and that's why so many fish and wildlife agencies actually partner with
1: NASPs. Mm-hmm. NASP. yeah. Um, so we're in a majority of states, and in most states, NASP is coordinated by a state agency. Mm-hmm. And most of those are going to be the fish and wildlife agencies. And yes, they're doing it because they want more hunters. But even just getting kids to see that, hey, a bow is not a bad thing. Yeah. Or getting them to touch it or getting them involved and just getting to know what the agency is. They're not pushing on hunt. They're not pushing hunting on them at all. No. From the beginning. It, it might have little pop-ups here and there but not, not totally. It's, it's not a very the agenda. involved sport. Right. Exactly. It's all just about getting kids shooting bows. Yeah.
0: Our, our NAS program is actually backed by our, uh, police department. Uh, mm-hmm. our, our, the, the school resource officers are the ones mainly who have stepped up and volunteered to be a part of it, to, to lead it and teach it. And, uh, they have such a heart for those kids because I think that they notice that the kids that they have the most problem with, whether it's behavioral, whether it is developmental, emotional, maybe the kids are going through something at home, but they notice that the archery program is one of those programs that actually helps it. It puts them into a mindset of respect for themselves and others. It creates that process of, okay, I wasn't good in the beginning, but look how far I've come. There's so much that you can look back over and see how you have overcome things and how you've gotten better. And it it does trickle back into where they're not seeing them in the office for negative things anymore. They are seeing them in the office because they're waving and saying, Hey coach. And that is something that I think they have seen play into, especially in our County. Um, you were saying, we were talking about this earlier. It's in how many States? I believe we're in 47 right now, mm-hmm. and plus Canada and uh-huh. other um, yeah. countries. Yeah. And I think that when you come down to it, like take the state of Tennessee all the way across where we have so much land mass horizontally, not vertically, or uh, it, we spread out so far apart. But I'll talk to counties not even – five miles from me and they have no idea what this program is because it's not in their county and i'm like man you do not even understand the value that it brings and they're like oh i don't want my kids pointing arrows it's dangerous well it's the least dangerous sport in any school next to ping pong
1: Yep, we are the second safest sport and we have a survey to back
0: that up yeah and that's people don't even they're like what do you mean it's it's a weapon i said it is not a weapon these kids do not see it as a weapon they see it as a tool and they see the the importance of using that tool correctly and that starts in fourth grade it starts from the and beginning. They, love it. they do. And they take it seriously. They take they take the safety of it seriously because of their coaches. And they the coaches take it seriously because if that number got higher, if injuries were happening, if if it, it would be it would be very easy to take it out of schools. And so uh, we don't want kids hurt. We don't want accidents happening and safety is number one
1: absolutely safety is number 1 safe being safe and having fun. Yes. That's
0: what it's about. Yeah. Ugh. I could I could talk about NASP all day. I know that you probably, you do. It's your job. I do. <laughs> so it, let me give a quick
1: um, how-to yeah. to people so that they can get, if they're a teacher or they have kids, um, the best thing to do is reach out to your state coordinator mm-hmm. and they'll be able to let you know how to get a program started at your school or in your state. Mm-hmm. And you can find those coordinators at dot. NASP, N-A-S-P, schools.org.
0: There are most places have incentives set in place that help with um, with providing the equipment necessary as well. Um, I know ours did, that there was a matching incentive that uh, makes it completely affordable to be able to continue with it. and. I don't. I just. There's so much value in it. Um, there's so much heart value to it. Yeah, I mean, it, it should be
1: in every school, in my opinion. It's so great for the kids, for the teachers, for creating that connection with the kids that aren't involved in running, kicking, throwing sports. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's amazing to watch.
0: I've seen a kid go from. Falling apart on the ground, not picking the bow up because they were not hitting the target. Like that was, it was just a complete meltdown. And we corrected one thing, just one minor important thing, which goes along with what I'd like to also talk to you about, but it, it had to do with form. It was foot positioning. That was it. We changed his, the way he planted his feet. And we said, try it again like this. And he hit the target every single time. And to see his face go from, I am a failure to that's all I had to change. Wow. You've that little piece of success. Yes. And it was, it was from, I don't want to do this anymore to, I want my own bow. It was, it was, I can't wait for the next competition. It was, it just completely changed his mindset in what he could do. And kids these days, whether they're in elementary school or middle school, high school, they have a little bit more control over things, but elementary school, especially, but then into middle school, kids don't have a whole lot of control. They are told where to go. They are told what mask to wear. They are told how far to be from people. They have to sit in their desks all day long. And even at home, there are decisions that they don't have control over. And I've seen students come into this program and take the responsibility on themselves for what they can control and their eyes light up it's like oh my goodness i can control how this arrow flies by tweaking this and getting stronger mm-hmm. and doing my planks and doing push-ups and doing and just working forward gives them that sense of respect for themselves and empowerment and it that's what creates that confidence and when you give a kid the ability to be confident in themselves you give them the world, and I know that's kind of cliche to say, but you do. Confidence is everything. I love that absolutely. But I, I like I said, I could, I could preach <laughs> NASP for days uh, without stopping talking, and so um, that's one of the things that actually drew me to you, and um, and I just I respect the heck out of people who invest in kids and uh this is a huge investment for those coaches it's a it's i mean the program for the year goes from i think october they started we always did the introduction in pe in august when we started school and then by october we had the roster for um for that and then we went all the way through may so, I think that it, it's just a great I just, program.
1: I was just going to say, it depends on the school. Some mm-hmm. of them will do a two-week program just to get those 10 hours in, use the equipment, and that's all they get to do. Mm-hmm. And then other schools like yours, they turn it into a year-long Program mm-hmm. keeping those kids involved and getting more and more included in different activities and tournaments and things that they do.
0: Yeah, I think the first year that I did it, we had sixty-four students sign up for the after-school NAS program. Isn't that crazy? It That's was amazing. A team. I know <laughs> <laughs> it's more than a high school football team. It's it, it is uh, it, it was pretty amazing. We had to have multiple days of coaching and but it was it was an investment in their lives and you saw it and I just I loved it. So I'm um, thank you for doing what you do. Um and thank you coaches out there yes. and supporters. Thank you parents for trusting your kids with those coaches and uh and administrators for letting it into your school. Yes. Schools. Yes. And uh, SRO office, officers that volunteer, um, wildlife officers that volunteer. It um, you can't do it without one person um, connecting in the schools. Two people uh, have to. You've got a teacher and and an officer that that have to volunteer for it. But it's just it's a heartfelt oh. I just love it. I love it. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, okay. So I want to go, I want to take that and push into talking about technique. Um, All right. This is, I I want to hear kind of some tips that you find important in training, but also some things that you are passionate for or against. Um, Okay. So let let us have it. (laughs) Okay. So the first thing that comes to mind is going to be consistency.
1: Mm -hmm. Even if you are doing everything wrong and you're consistent, you can make your arrows hit the target. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you start doing things right, uh, then your groups are going to come together and you're going to be having a much better time. And so just like in NASP, it really does start Working through each of those steps and all of the programs out there all the instructors out there They kind of have their own spin on it and what they look for when people are shooting And it's different if you're shooting a Genesis bow or a compound or a recurve or a longbow But the basis of the 11 steps or 12 steps They're all the same it starts with your stance and it ends up with your follow-through and reflection mm-hmm. um, And so One of the biggest Pieces of advice I can give to someone is have someone watch you and give you feedback. One person. Don't ask everybody at the range for advice because you're going to get so many different pieces of advice back. Yeah. Follow one person or do do your own thing Um, or take a video of yourself Mm -hmm. and watch what you're doing. And you will pick up on so many different habits that you didn't realize you had And that's going to allow you to work on them and change them and make improvements that are going to make your shooting better.
0: Mm -hmm. And keep you safe, keep you healthy. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because, like, slapping your arm with your string,
1: that's the main accident that we have in archery is people walking away with an arm bruise. Well, if you rotate your grip and open your stance... There's no more arm sla- slapping, mm-hmm. and pe- for the people with super overextended elbows that can't physically actually get their arm out of the way without bending it, put an arm guard on. Mm-hmm. There's nothing embarrassing about an arm guard when you're keeping yourself safe.
0: Yeah, the the stance, the all of it, it even drawing back, keeping your shoulder. In certain ways, I dislocated my shoulder, pulling back in a wrong way. And it affected me for the next two years and ended up in shoulder surgery this year. Well, you better believe that my investment in this shoulder now, I'm not going to go back to shooting the way that I was shooting. I'm going to be going back with somebody walking me through it that I trust who knows what they're doing so that they can say, hey – you're doing it we I need your shoulder back like this. I need you to change your stance. I need you to when you draw back, you need to make sure that you are locked in versus letting that shoulder fall forward. And I'm it's it's an investment. it's something that it's worth though because you don't want to injure yourself, especially if you're competing, especially if you're hunting, that is going to affect the thing that you, what your goal is it's gonna it's gonna be hit or miss or even injury on an animal and Mm -hmm. that's the last thing you want to do it's um we're always talking about ethical hunting well you can't just pick a bow up and go shoot an animal that's irresponsible and unethical so I love what you said, though. It does, right? Hey, I picked up my bow this month. I'm going to go... I bought my hunting license. I'm ready to go. Uh, and no, it's like, I no. dude, you can't even get a, hit a grapefruit at 20 <laughs> yeah, yards. No. I don't think you're ready. No, but I do love what you said about that. Have one person observe you or take a video because we're our own worst critics. And when you take a video, mm-hmm. you really can compare. There, How many YouTube videos are there out there about correct archery form you can compare right there from screen to screen what it looks like so at the very minimum video yourself to see what what you're doing wrong
1: or right and there's a exact and there's a lot of different forms out there there's no one person who does it a hundred percent correct each person is going to do it a little bit differently Mm -hmm. based on their body how their body allows them to move. So someone may have their elbow a little bit higher when they're drawing, and someone may have to have it a little bit lower because they have a shoulder in- injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everyone is a little bit different, and don't feel like you're doing it wrong because you can't do it like the person next to you.
0: There you go. But
1: that doesn't mean don't try new things. Um, I had someone the other day who told me that this person couldn't put their nose on the string because their nose was too stubby. And so she's, she's shooting with, with the string two inches in front of her nose and can't get a group on the target. And I said, okay, well, how about we move, move your peep and get you a nose button and try all of these different, I didn't say all of these different things, but I said that one thing I said, let's move your peep and see if I can help you. And she said, no, I've tried different things for years. This is how I do it now. And as an instructor, at that point, you have to realize that someone's not open
0: mm-hmm. to
1: hearing feedback, and you just kind of have to step back and let them keep going until they reach a point where they do want to hear what you have
0: to say. Right, Because so, at some point, so, you're going to get frustrated with the okay. end result not being what you want it to be.
1: Exactly. And especially with something like that, it goes back to consistency. If you don't have an anchor point that makes you be consistent every time, you're never never going to hit the target consistently mm-hmm.
0: yeah and that's when you're talking about genesis bows like if you get your kid a genesis bow there there's no sight. there's no there are rules in in schools about <laughs> learn competitions about not having something on that face uh where mm-hmm. it can be used as a, a, a way of marking where you are, and so your form and where you put your string and where you put your hand and where you put all of that makes a huge difference on consistency. Exactly, it takes it all the way back to the basics. With people think, oh,
1: that's so easy. There's nothing on there, but
0: no, no these kids
1: shooting competitions at ten and fifteen meters. I would like to see any bow hunter pick up a Genesis bow and shoot a 300 right off
0: the bat it's just not possible it isn't but see we went out to attack and my daughter was hitting 20 yard targets bullseye Mm -hmm. it took a second shot because she does you know that first shot that's why they're practice shots you kind of get where you are when things are different but it uh she immediately from the first shot knew how to fix it and how to readjust. And that is, that's amazing to me because it's teaching how do I fix it myself? How do I regroup? How do I move around? What do I need to do in order to make this? It's troubleshooting and they're learning how to do that.
1: Yeah. That's totally awesome that she's doing that all on her own and not with someone,
0: you know, you guys probably helped
1: a little bit, but like, She knows enough to
0: compensate and make those decisions on Mm -hmm. her
1: own for where she wants to be shooting.
0: Yeah. It's more of, hey, you were, you were a little low on that. Okay. Well, she fixed it. And that's something that, you know, when you're talking about being in the real world, um, when you're talking about whether it's hunting or competition or you're talking about working in a business or building your own business, whatever you do in life, learning how to troubleshoot and think through things, it's a life skill. And it's funny how many times we will make the same mistake
1: over and over again. Say your sights <laughs> to the left yeah. and you're shooting to the left every single time. But you're like, oh, no, it's me. I'm doing something wrong. And mm-hmm. we just don't make that one simple change to bring us back onto target. Mm-hmm. One simple change. Sometimes we just have to realize, okay, it's not me. I need to <laughs> fix the tools that I have available yes. and make that decision. Yeah,
0: But that that, that takes some courage and um, confidence to do that sometimes. It does. It also it goes back to what you said about having one person observe you and listening to them. If they have sound advice, I would 100% say, take me back to the basics. And that's what I'm going to be doing when I'm given the all clear for shooting a bow again, I'm going to be going back to the basics because I messed up somewhere in there and I got into bad habits that were unhealthy for my body. So I've got to go back to the beginning of it and start all over again. And it takes humbleness to be able to do that. Uh, not saying that I'm humble because I I struggle with pride as well, but If I want to shoot, I have to do this. But it has taken me getting this far to make me have to go back there.
1: And it's also a huge time and effort commitment, too, because it's like people who are dealing with target panic. And and what that is, is you pull up on the target and all of a sudden you can't get your pin to sit in the gold Mm -hmm. or you can't get your finger on the trigger and pull it. There, there's a lot of different forms of target target, and trigger panic. But what it comes down to is your, your mental understanding of shooting and explosions of the bow and different things. But to get rid of that, it goes back to the very basics, not shooting a target anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, shooting a couple hundred arrows a day into a blank veil. And it is the most boring thing in the world. <laughs> but it's the only way to actually com- combat. Mm-hmm. those anxieties and what's going on in your brain, because
0: archery is 99% mental. 100%. Yeah. yeah.
1: Anyone can go out and shoot a bow, but to make yourself work with your bow and get the arrows to hit where you want, that's all in your
0: brain. hmm Yeah. It's a, it's when you say mental, I think that it, it has to do with teaching yourself how to clear your mind of distractions uh, clear your mind of other sounds out there being able to center yourself and uh and then get out of your head <laughs> it's yeah it's just being able to in that final moment just let go and trust your your ability to do it because you have trained yourself to do it when you've done it right it, right But it's also not relying on
1: your muscle memory and your habits to get through it. I talk to a lot of people who say, yeah, I just draw back, aim and shoot. I don't actually know what I'm doing. It's having that shot process down. And working through your steps every mm-hmm. single time, making every single shot a conscious effort.
0: Yeah, that and, that and that's huge. That person that said that, you've got a lucky shot, <laughs> that's, and you're not going to have it every single time. Oh, uh, no, and, and and they'll start to notice that and get frustrated with that, and that's mm-hmm. when they start asking for help. Yeah, and that's when there are people like you who can say, "I'm here. <laughs> I'm glad you're asking. Let me tell you." Try this one thing, or try these two things, or send me a video. And I think that that's uh, just being able to ask for help. We have a lot of hunters right now who are switching from gun hunting to archery because that's the that's such a great thing about the hunting community is you can try something new and it. And you're constantly learning. It's exciting, whether it's a different species you're hunting or if it's a different technique of hunting. And so I think we have to get outside of our heads of, well, I'm an awesome gun hunter. I have, you know, 15, 20 years of hunting. Well, you pick up a bow, you're starting back at zero. I mean, you've got maybe the... The skills of knowing where your, your game is, but guess what? With a with a bow, you're now going to have to be closer. You are now going to have be to be quieter. You're going to have to work on the wind. You're going to have to. It changes completely, so you have to be willing to say, "I'm a newbie again." And I need to start at ground zero and not just pick up a bow and say, I've got this. Uh, say, how do I do this? What's the best way to do this? What What can I do in order to do this well? Because I'm new again. And let's learn. And that it's it's all in the mindset of it. And there's a lot
1: of resources, both online and If you have a local bow shop, um, pro shop, range with instructors, Mm -hmm. um, it really comes down to finding the right person for you, though, because, like, I've seen people who work with an instructor and their teaching style was just not right for them, but they didn't leave. They kept going to this person. Mm -hmm. And it basically ruined archery for Mm -hmm.
0: them. Yeah.
1: So don't be afraid if the person that you find who's an archery instructor is not the right person for you to try someone else. Yeah. Like, yes, I know I said, like, listen to one person, but find the one person that's right for you. You respect them and you believe they have your best interest at heart and making you a better archer. Yeah. And sometimes being a better archer is not necessarily hitting a bullseye every time Mm. it goes back to consistency and form and everything Mm. we just talked about those are what are going to make you a better archer yeah
0: it's and fe- then you'll start hitting the target exactly and that it's funny how easily if you say you like Thai food and you went to one restaurant And you didn't like it. You wouldn't keep going to that restaurant. You're going to reach out and find another Thai restaurant that you absolutely love. And it's easy to make that decision. But if we go to someone, an instructor, who is supposed to be the professional, well, then it must be me. It must be me of why this isn't working or why I don't feel confident in this. No, just shop around. Find somebody that, like you said, that that you guys can mesh it or that it works for your style. You have to find uh, what is going to be successful. And that I'm glad you said that because you're not just stuck with one instructor, especially if somebody says, oh, they're the best one that is not right. necessarily the end all be all on who is going to be instructing you well and i've been surprised for myself i am a basic to
1: basic beginner intermediate style archery instructor i'm there i'll work on your form i'll get you hitting the target i can help you set in technique sh- shooting process i can help you with all of these things but what i am not is i am not a pro archer tournament coach mm-hmm. and I've had people show up and they're like okay I need your help with like all of this stuff and I'm like that, that's not me let's find you someone who knows a lot more about that and yeah. can actually help you rather than I'm not just going to take your money because I can because you think I'm the right person
0: mm-hmm that takes a lot of guts because a lot of people out there will go, well, I can get them where they want to be. And you might be doing them more of a disservice than just passing them on to somebody who would actually take them further than you could take them.
1: And it's great because there are so many pro archers or bow Experienced bow shooters who are willing to take people under their wing mm-hmm. and they know a lot because they've been doing it for 20 to 30 years. Yeah. And those are people when you see them, don't be afraid to ask questions because a lot of the time they are more than willing to answer. Yeah.
0: The best, honestly, the best people out there. Um, like I love passing what I know back. I love teaching what I know but the second it ventures into a thing that I don't know, I will definitely find you somebody who does know that. I'm not going to pretend to know something because I will screw it up. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to to yell it from the rooftops that I don't know something. I would much rather hand you off to somebody that I know will push you further than than i would ever be able to do um but or, or i think learn we're, right along with them or learn right or along with them exactly yeah because we i will always say i'm a student at heart and i hope that that continues i love learning give me everything that i can learn about and i just want to soak it all up um but I'm I'm grateful to have people in my life who will say, Hey, you need to check yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. it, it's good to have those people in your life. Um, to have that one person, like you said, observing you and and being like, Hey, you need to check that. Uh, I I like to apply that to other parts of my life, not just guns and, and archery. Um I do have a question. Have you ever hunted with a gun or did you always stay with a bow?
1: So last year was actually my first rifle hunt. And in college, I got into duck hunting with a shotgun Mm -hmm. um, just because there were not as many archery opportunities and hunting big game out of state is Mm -hmm. really expensive. I went to Montana just because they had a non resident student hunting license at the time. Very nice. my second year there, they actually got rid of it. Uh,
0: (laughs) So that screwed up all of my plans. uh, But it got me into duck hunting, which was kind of mm -hmm. awesome. I like duck hunting. I like uh, – duck hunting was actually the first type of gun hunting that I did, and that was two years ago. The – I took my first animal with a gun last year, and it was with a muzzleloader. This year, I'm coming to Montana, and it will be my first rifle hunt. Um, Oh, that's so exciting. And it is exciting, but it goes back to, like, I wasn't, I couldn't go straight into bow hunting. That wasn't, uh, I didn't know anything about compound bows. Nobody around me shot with a compound bow, and so I used a uh, uh Oh, a crossbow. My mind just blanked. Um, I used a crossbow okay. for the first three years that I was hunting, uh, through four, four years that I was hunting, and um, we'll, I'm, we'll still use it if, if I have not been cleared to hunt until November, so I have to wait. But it is, I think, go. one of the best tools to introduce people who are afraid of guns and can't quite mm-hmm. use a compound bow yet. Um, Do you want to know one of the best activities for getting someone who's not a
1: hunter getting into hunting and fishing? mm -mm. Take them bow fishing. Oh, yes. Just because it is an active activity, Mm -hmm. you're not sitting, you're not, you might be hiking around a little bit, but as soon as you see a fish, you shoot it. Mm -hmm. You might not hit anything, but you're out there, you're shooting, you're getting that splash of the water, you're reeling in. Oh, it's just an incredible experience. I ran a bow fishing workshop one time for 50-plus um, people in Oregon, and they drove from southern Oregon all the way up to Portland and met in the middle to come try bow fishing with me, and they we, we caught one fish. <laughs> we had one opportunity, but they were out there running around the lake just from the bank. They didn't even need a boat. I provided all of the equipment so that they didn't have to bring anything, and they had such a good time. Be- it was amazing.
0: Because it's active. It's, it is. Exactly. I'm excited. That is on my bucket list to go bow fishing. Uh, we have got a crud load of huge carp in our waterways right now that, I mean, I I don't think that they have gone as far as paying people to get them, but it is a pretty free range. <laughs> situation here trying right. to manage And I it. never
1: I never realized what a big problem they were until I did this workshop and started learning more about them. Like they repopulate way faster than anything else and they're out there eating everything that all the other fish eat and they're destroying habitats for all the native animals and yeah so we need to get carp out of our waters
0: i like to compare them i I compare them to the hogs that that overrun um our hunting areas and farmlands i i think that they're the hogs of the rivers and it's it is a huge problem um and, yeah, it's it's pretty free range here for for bow fishing on carp. I just need to step into that and try it out once I'm healed up. I think it'd be a blast next year to do. Well, and you won't need
1: your full hunting no. image bow either. Right. You could go grab a Genesis and shoot some of those carp. Some of the smaller
0: ones. I think my kids would love doing that. I think that that would be a way to kind of get them, like you said, interested in pushing further and getting stronger um, to, to bow hunt with a compound. It would be to get in there and and bowfish. I'm glad you brought that up. It has been on my bucket list. (laughs) I've I've only gone
1: twice, but I absolutely had a great time. And now anyone, I'm like, yes, let's go bowfishing. Let's do
0: it. (laughs) Sign me up. Um, You have a project that you have not told me about, but you said that you kind of got this idea and I kind of, I want to hear about it. So spill the beans on what your idea is so um the last couple months i've been doing a monthly lady shooting
1: night at my local club Mm -hmm. the first one i had like five people come the next one i had two one-hour sessions and i had about 30 this last one i had one one one-hour session and i had 25 people there during that one one one-hour session so we're we're right about there but i had no idea i had one recurve shooter and 24 women with their own um, compound bows at my range at one time and that blew my freaking mind Yeah, um, just the empowerment the, the connections that were being made oh my god it was amazing um but so I, I'm continuing that I'm trying to keep it going monthly hunting season kind of the away for the next month but mm-hmm. it will come back but what, what I would really like to do, and because, you know, Instagram, you see so many great role models out there, like um, Ladies Hunting Camp mm-hmm. that gets run on the West Coast, and Courtney Levesque's uh, Ladies yes. Archery Weekend. And so I have been talking to a few of my friends that kind of have different specialties with, you know, and so it's, um, I can't think of the word of it right now. I just got so excited talking about everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but doing a kind of a retreat. And so I don't mm-hmm. know if people would want to camp or have trailers or actually stay in a big cabin together, but I have someone who's a personal trainer and I was like, Hey girl, do you think you could come up with some like archery specific strength training yes. workshop yes. that you could do for us? And she was like, heck yeah, I I'm in. And she was one of the girls at my ladies night. And then I reached out to a fishing friend and I was like, Hey girl, do you think you could come do like a little seminar for us? And she was like, heck yeah, I'm there. And so I've started reaching out to all of these different niches and they're all archers, but they all do something different. And I'm like, okay, what can we build on to start making this a really awesome weekend? Cause we don't have anything like that up here, but we have so many women looking for connections.
0: Yeah. So I think it's going to be a great time. I, th- I think oh. that you're noticing in our world with how it has been over the past year and a half that connection is what we are missing and what we are craving. And so, dip that into the hunting and archery world with women, and you are creating this situation where I, up until three years ago, didn't know a single woman that hunted. Not one person until social media. Being able to connect women together, it, it, there's a, like you said, an empowerment that comes from it, but it also, I don't, I don't think there's a word for what it feels like to be around other women who have the same passions as me and it feeds their soul. I,
1: I love that soul, like craving all of these words you're saying, like it's exactly what I'm feeling mm-hmm. and the word I always come back to, it's like, it's my tribe. Mm-hmm. And it's never felt more real like that until
0: coming into everything that's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. And we're searching for it, but we're also searching for real connection, authentic connection. And it's not the drama. It's not the fake. It's not. It's actually connecting with women who... And men, I mean, I've connected with many men over the time that I've been in the outdoors and hunting and fishing, but the connection with women in a non-dramatic, pure, authentic way, you walk away not from competitive. it, not competitive, encouraging and lifting up. You walk away from those situations, a changed person.
1: Love it. Mm-hmm. That that just oh, it makes me smile. You should see
0: like you grin on my face just talking about it right now. <laughs> it's. I think that that's why the podcast started. I know that's why the podcast started. I was craving connection with women that that I needed. I needed uh, to learn. I needed to grow, but I also needed to hear other women's stories and that's what you find at events like this. You get to hear the background of why this has become a passion for them or why they've stepped out of their comfort zone to try it out. And that's where you... That's where you kind of step into their lives and into their shoes and you respect each other more for it. And in a time like we have right now where connection is few and far between, it's important to create situations where we continue to build relationship. Otherwise, we're going to completely lose ourselves in our own selfish um, little worlds and we will forget how to respect each other that's my own
1: (laughs) that's my own two cents on it (laughs) and you said something else it was stepping out of their comfort zones and Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge part of it because I will reach out to you know when someone tags my local archery range and I'm like hey I saw you were up here like you want to go shooting sometime and they're like they look at my profile. And they're like, oh, no, I'm not good enough to shoot with you yet. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? I shoot zeros? Like, come mm-hmm. on. You are totally good enough. Let me shoot with you. Let's go. Yeah. And step out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. In archery, in any sport, everyone's so busy watching themselves, unless you're an instructor like me and you're trying to make sure everyone else is safe. Um, but you're so busy watching yourself and caring about what you're doing. But if someone else misses or does something wrong, you're not there to tear them down and laugh at them. You're there to say, hey, how can I help you get through that next time so that you're doing better? Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid to say yes to invitations, Mm -hmm. whether it's to go hunting, to go shooting, to just meet someone new. Say
0: yes. Yeah. Do it. I love that. I love that. Okay. Tell everybody how they can follow you and how they can learn about these once a month things that you're going to be putting together.
1: Um, so on Instagram and Facebook, you can find me under the Archer Steph, the period Archer period step. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a blog on stephanierustad.com that is becoming more active. And that is where all of my events get posted. So okay. all along, have a conversation with me. I, I, try to answer every single message and question I get, I am all about making
0: connections out there. Awesome. Stephanie, thank you. I truly, truly appreciate this. Amy, it was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me.